0: There's no whining, there's no complaining, you're going to sing. Cool. You can't be in a bad mood when you're singing. Yeah,
1: like 19-year-old Joel looked at 45-year-old Joel and was like, get it together, man. But at the end of the day, I never leave work without
0: a smile on my
1: face. All right. Hello, you're listening to The Circle Game, a podcast about summer camp stories, what makes camp magical, and how that magic influences our lives in the real world. I'm Joel. And I'm Allison. And we're a couple of camp directors who never stop going to camp. We welcome you to the Circle game, and we're mighty glad you're here. Uh, welcome to part two of our episode about how camp impacts one's career. We'll be talking to Elizabeth Coburn, or as we like to call her, LizCO, a longtime camper and staff member who still works with us as the head of our child care for many of our family camp weekends. And she's a very active alum. Uh, and we're very lucky to have her as part of our JCA family.
0: Hey, Liska, how are you doing? It's good. so good to be here. I'm good. How are you guys? Great. So I'm happy good. to see your face. I know. Um, it's so nice to
2: see people. <laughs> so true. Um, so before we get into the interview, we start all of our podcasts with an icebreaker. So as we start many of our camp programs, as you very well know. So here is this week's icebreaker question. What is your favorite smell?
0: Oh, that's a tricky one. Can I have a two-part answer?
2: Absolutely. There are no rules to this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if it's like a scent that I'm wearing. I like like the warm tones, like a vanilla or like a snickerdoodle cookie type thing, like a sweetness. Mm-hmm. But I love the smell of a sauteing onion.
1: Oh, that's so good.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it
1: so elizabeth cobrin we are so lucky uh to have her as our family in our camp family why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to camp like how you started and about your history at camp
0: i would love to thank you um i started at camp in 99 i was kind of a camp late bloomer i was already 12 and i don't even know if you guys know this my first summer i was miserable i was homesick i hated everything i wanted to go home wrote awful letters to my parents and bless my mother's heart. She refused to come pick me up and I stuck it out for two weeks and I went home and she said, you're never going back. And I said, that's fine. I don't ever want to go back. And three months later, I begged to return next summer and the rest, as they say, is history. I was a tasker. I was in a program called Neshama, which I loved. CIT. I was a staff member. I kind of did it all. Um, and I, then left camp and returned when Allison asked if I would. And I said, okay. Um, and came back to do family camps, which is really nice that I still have a little bit of camp magic in my life. And I cannot wait for one day to get back to family camp. Um, And camp kind of the end all be all. It, it's a full circle moment. I started as a child and I'm back as a kind of grown up, not a real grown up, but you know.
1: I don't consider myself a real grown-up either. <laughs> i mean, even less than a real grown-up. <laughs> I've regressed for sure. Yeah, like 19-year-old Joel looks at 45-year-old Joel like, get it together, man. What's wrong with you? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's very interesting. Behind the scenes, um, Allison, me, and David, who's even like more behind the scenes on this podcast, we have a lot of theories about kids who've gone through homesickness at camp. And if they get through it, how it makes them more resilient for camp and that that success later on, like, translates to other successful moments. Um, We thought about doing an entire podcast just on homesickness, and we might one day. Um, It is an interesting topic. And those who get through it and those whose parents force them to kind of come back, maybe against their will, are teaching them these subtle lessons about not quitting and quitting. and perseverance and those great things. And those are hard things to teach just through like, you know, there aren't always opportunities to teach those, especially at a young age. It sounds like your parents did that and that's really good. And if they hadn't, we probably wouldn't be doing this right now. and Maybe we wouldn't have really gotten to know each other. So that's very cool.
0: It's so crazy to think about it.
1: Yep. So this um, podcast, this particular episode is about, Um, the lessons that we learned at camp and how those lessons made us uh, who we are in our professional world. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do professionally, and then you can just go right into how camp may have impacted and maybe ways that camp has impacted your art of what you do.
0: I am a preschool teacher. I have been for the last 14 years, Um, at a private school in LA and I teach two and a half and three-year-olds. This year is much different than every other year, but usually I have between 15 and 18 children in my class and I absolutely love it. It is exhausting. It is mentally and physically exhausting. Um, But at the end of the day, I never leave work without a smile on my face because these kids are just the sweetest, most loving and challenging children. And I say, I think at least once or twice a week, I mention or think about something I learned from camp. Um, my big thing that actually this year, so with COVID, we are back teaching in person. Um, it is extremely difficult and challenging, but it's we always have little pockets of time where we're early to the playground or someone other group is taking longer at music. And I have find myself with, these little children looking at me and I'm in the moment going, okay, what do I do? And that's where camp comes right in because you always have those moments where at camp where it's like, there's nothing programmed. There's nothing on the schedule. There's no one telling me what to do. And you just got to think on your feet. Um, We make up songs. We make up dances. We do fake yoga. We do all sorts of things that are directly from camp. Um, And the bigger picture, even Larger than that is learning how to work with other people at camp. You're thrown into here. You're going to live with your co-counselor for two or three or four weeks. And we really hope you like each other. And the rest is up to you as people. Um, And not everyone's easy to work with. And at camp, you learn to work with people and live with people. And it's a bond that can never be broken. As everyone has said on this podcast before, my closest friends are from camp. But it's also a huge life skill that, you know what, maybe we see things differently, but we're going to learn to work together to give these kids a great summer. And it's the same thing at work as maybe I see something differently than my co-teacher, but these kids are ours for the foreseeable future for the rest of the school year. And we need to learn to work together to make this year a success for them. That's my, my big takeaway from camp is learning to work with other people.
1: I mean, it's interesting. You chose two things that are so its unique to how you what you do. And also, at the same time, there are other bigger lessons. And some of those lessons you can actually teach the kids. Like, I know right now we're in this uh, screen generation. The impacts of COVID and kids being on screens all the time is going to have this long-term effect. And parents are often, um, as you know, when their kids are bored – or whatever are going or driving them nuts, and I'm in this space. Um, a lot of times, parents will give their kids iPads to soothe the make make peace in the house, shalom bayit, as we would say. And um, it's an easy crutch, and it's probably not going to destroy them. But what happens is they don't have to come up with uh, creative solutions on their own, right? They don't have to mm-hmm. figure out how to deal with their boredom. And then they're missing out on some of that, and it's kind of the same thing as you were saying. Counselors are there; they don't have, they just have a group of kids. We got to come up with something. So it's cool that before the iPads and all the technology was around, we picked up on some of those skills. And do you think you kind of try to? And, and obviously, at your work, you're not going to hand everybody a bunch of iPads. Hey, kids, there's <laughs> a bunch of iPads, right? I think these kids are so lucky to have you. And part of it is that you are instilling in them how to deal with moments where there isn't stuff that's programmed and you're modeling that for them, right? Like that's a super healthy thing. And I think parents could learn a lesson or two probably about from you and from other people. There are so many other opportunities that are out there um, and camp counselors are learning those things all the time. But the other big one is this whole idea of working with people uh, who are different than you Um, and who may think different and act different than you. That's such a, that is such a life skill, right? Um, And so now do you bring that to, uh, do you have the kids kind of do stuff like that too? Like have them collaborate? Kind of tell me a little bit about how that looks.
0: Um, We, my kids are really young. So as the year, as two-year-olds start school, they're very egocentric. And the only person that exists is them. And then we see this beautiful shift usually around uh, March, Um, where they realize they're not the only person in our classroom and there are 16 other children. And that like when they open their eyes and they realize that it's the most beautiful transition we see in the whole school year of them learning that there are other people around and we can have conversations. We have theories and we think about, you know, how did that turn? You know, we're painting with blue and yellow and it turned green. How did that happen? And we talked about, well, one child says it fell from the sky because they saw a green tree. And another child says, no, 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 it's from the floor. And allowing them to have disagreements and then coming up with a plan that they can all kind of agree on with or get on board is a huge, huge stepping stone to later on as an adult learning to listen to other people's ideas and then making a compromise. Um, So it's we see it as young as two and three. And it's a direct, I mean, you go to summer camp and that's the same thing. You want the top bunk, someone someone else wants the top bunk, you're going to have to figure out a plan to make a compromise.
1: Yeah, you know, camp is unique in the fact that kids are staying there and living there amongst other people. And you can put on a show for a little bit, like, I'll play along with these people and do what I have to do to get through the day or whatever. But when you live with them for a couple of weeks or a week or whatever, or even a weekend at camp, and you're living with these people day in and day out, eventually that has to be very real. And a lot of kids are learning that for the first time. A lot of staff people are learning that for the first time. And it, in what you're and as you were saying those words, I'm remembering, you know, the 1968 task video with Jerry Ringerman and at one point he addresses the camp for those of you who know who've been to camp and watch the task old task video and maybe we'll get a clip of that or something i don't know that might be too much work but we'll, i'll try to look into it he talks about realizing that you're not um that you're not that it's not about you and that the things you do impact other people and the things that other people do impact you and that's community and then kids learning to live in community without parents around to lean on that's a parallel between what you do there right the kids are living in a little tiny community of little tiny munchkins (laughs) at your place and at our place they're living for an extended period of time and in both places they have to you know it sounds like they learn it first with you and they have to relearn it again And now, and I think we all have to, as adults, God forbid, I call us that. I think we have to relearn that again. You know, like it's it's something you have to relearn quite a bit.
0: It's funny that Uh, you mentioned community. Um, My kids in my class this year are very into who we see every day. So we're very spaced from other people, but we have the maintenance team and the facilities crew that are, you know, helping us cross the street safely and cleaning up the playground when we leave. And my kids, without me even saying anything, go up every day, thank you. And they're asking their names and they're learning, you know, there's two people with the same name. How silly is that? But every day we go up and say thank you and good morning. And we, you know, do as much as we can, again, from a safe distance, but to form a community, which even in this school year, which is unlike anything we've ever seen, we need our community even more than in in regular times, I would say.
1: It's true. Um, I think it's an opportunity. There is some opportunity for teaching there about that and about, and and also about gratitude, right? Like I, I think that was another thing you mentioned there. Um, and these are, again, these are recurring themes and it's cool to see, I mean, you were so good with little kids when I kind of saw you going down this path of becoming a preschool teacher, uh, a real educator. It made total sense. Uh, it, like, you know, you it would have made sense for you to do a lot of other things, too. Like, you just have a lot. You would have been able to be anything you wanted in the world. Uh, but to see somebody who could express um, this kindness and make a difference. And I'm of the belief that when we get kids on the right trajectory and they love school at a young age, um then they do better it sends them on the right path to loving school and my kids had great teachers all along their preschool and as a result they love and can't wait for school they that's the relationship with school it's not like back in the day where you used to be like i hate school or whatever <laughs> kids like some kids did some kids didn't but uh, kids who have great preschool teachers i'm sure they just love school more and it's fun and I could see you making it fun. I mean, do you, some of the fun aspects that you add, and you talked about some of the creative things that you do, um, but about making your the experience for the kids fun. Do you think some of that was shaped by your camp experience here?
0: A hundred percent. We at camp, as we both, everyone listening knows, who went to JCA's, we never had all the resources we actually needed. Um, And we learned to MacGyver things and get through it and and figure (laughs) out to work with what we had. And it's the same thing at school. If I need something that isn't immediately there, I'm just going to go to plan B because camp taught me you got to be versatile and be able to work with what you have. Um, And my other favorite thing about camp is I one summer had a cabin that hated mornings, um, much like I still don't like mornings. Um, and every morning until after breakfast, they were just so difficult and so stubborn. And I finally got so fed up with it that my co-counselor and I said, if you have any complaints in the mornings, you have to sing your complaints. There's no whining. There's no complaining. You're going to sing. Well, you can't be in a bad mood when you're singing. And they'd walk around camp and they would just sing and it made them laugh and it made me laugh. And that's one thing I can make up a song about anything at any time. While I'm walking through the hallways at school today, my kids were singing about having crackers and cheese for snack today because that's the moment we were in. And I do think I listened to the podcast with Ravo, obviously, and music is hugely important at camp, but kids and music, it's just it it works. And there's some sort of magic there that happens. But you start singing something, even if a child doesn't want to hear it, if it's in a song, they're gonna be able to it, like it, it sinks in better.
1: Um, those kids who have you as their teacher, they're the luckiest kids ever. And, uh, the kids who had you, uh, as their counselor, those select handful of kids, uh, I'm sure a greater percentage of them stick, you know, stuck at camp, probably became counselors and were, you know, learning from you. And, um, I just think that, uh, it just speaks volumes. I think that being a great counselor is an art form. It takes a lot of, um, and you mentioned just a handful of skills coming up with things, MacGyvering, you know, uh, doing stuff from, from nothing. It, it's a creative art form. Um, and to get your kids to be in a good mood when they're not, to deal with challenging behaviors, all of those things are an art form. And it's amazing when you watch young people do it, but when you watch somebody to masters their art, like you did, um, it's always sticks with us. It was why we wanted to have you on this podcast because you have expertise that doesn't always naturally uh, come to people. Um, and, uh, and I think I noticed that from doing this from years so much so that I still talk about you every single summer and, um, you know, I want to thank you uh, on behalf of all those kids and all the current kids that you put, that you're having fun with.
0: Thank you. Uh, camp, even my camp kids, I still refer to as my kids and I see on Facebook are doing amazing things. And, and it's, it's something that like camp just, it stays with you. It doesn't go anywhere. You may leave camp. I always say you can take the girl out of camp. Can't take the camp out of the girl. Um, and it's just always, it's going to be a part of me forever. And, And it's a part that I'm very lucky and very blessed that I got to experience.
2: So Lizko, before we end things with you, also, I have to say, I'm surprised that one of the things that you didn't say about how camp impacted your work is your ability to be fired.
0: (laughs) You know, I was thinking about that and I was like, I don't know. I don't know how that would come across, but I did. I did think about that because I took it like a champ every time, Allison.
2: Yeah, I don't know how it came about, but Lysko and I don't think ever worked a summer together, but we worked a lot of weekends together. And um, somehow it started happening that I just would fire Lizco every weekend, like multiple and times.
0: She'd look at me and but still Lizko's do tired. occasionally. <laughs> my favorite was when I left a note on your clipboard in your office, on your bulletin board. And I was like, Allison, you're fired. Love Lizko.
2: <laughs> I think I think it was still there for a long time. I put all of those little notes, like I would put them on my computer. And, and uh,
0: the CIT that CIT was working with, they're like, wait, you can fire Allison? I was like, no, I do not have that power. Absolutely. Only you,
2: Lizco, can <laughs> fire me.
0: <laughs> now, you really don't know where that came from, but it's there. Yeah, it I is. don't know either. It's,
2: there it is.
0: All right. So um, all of our
2: guests and the way we end our interviews is with roses, thorns, and rosebuds. So something that was great. And you can do it for today, this week, whatever you like something that was not so great. And then the rosebud is something you're looking forward to.
0: Well, seeing as I've listened to all of your camp podcasts that's been out, I knew this was coming. I was driving home today on the 405 and I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to say. I was really thinking about it. And I think my rose for this week is that it was a very nice, calm week that almost felt normal. I caught up with a couple of friends in a socially distant backyard get together um, and I'm getting into a rhythm at work, which is really nice. Um, so that's my rose. Um, my thorn is that I got the most obnoxious mosquito bites on my ankle that have been driving me nuts all week, um, which is a good thorn to have if we're going to have to have a thorn. Um, and my rose side is that even though we have a very unorthodox holiday season coming up. We're heading into Thanksgiving and Hanukkah, which in my family is also birthday month. And it gives us an excuse to celebrate something good and exciting that we all really need right now.
2: Yes, we need all the good and exciting fun celebrations that we can get right now. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And it was so great to see you and also just to get some insight about how campus impacted your work and um, It's really always a pleasure when we get to spend some time together.
0: It was so nice to see both of you. I hope soon we get to see each other in person. Um, And one day we'll be able to be back at camp all together.
1: Can't wait.
2: So for all of our listeners, we want to hear from you. Um, please send us your feedback at podcast at shalominstitute.com. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find us, and we'd really appreciate it. And we really just want to hear what you think. For ongoing Circle Game podcast updates, news, and highlights, please make sure to follow us at Camp JCA Shalom on our Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you listen to your podcast.
1: At all our camp programs, we don't say goodbye. We say od," which means until we meet again. od. See you next time on The Circle Game.
2: This podcast is brought to you by Camp JC Shalom, a program of the Shalom Institute. If you're interested in Camp JC Shalom or Shalom Institute, please find us at campjcashalom.com or shalominstitute.com.